I am in the, uh, this is my second round of driver's ed. My youngest is now three months into his temps. He's a, he's a pretty good driver. It's going well so far. And I actually enjoy um, uh, training my kids to drive. I, I, find, uh, I find that to be fairly fulfilling. Now, um, I myself am a very slow driver. Um, I'm the guy that is doing 64 in the left lane with my blinker on. Um, you know, there was a truck and I passed the truck and then I, I'm a daydreamer. So I was probably working through my Christmas Eve sermon in July and um, got in the left lane and Cars are flying by me on the right, saluting me. It's probably some view. I um, wonder how many people are. Yeah, yeah, Marcus. It's probably Marcus. I um, wonder how many people we've lost over the years because that happened and they realized, oh, that's the pastor of the church. I can't go back there. Um, string of people behind me. I'm oblivious. Um, I drive slow. Except when I'm going to Hilton Head. <clears throat> Total hypocrite mode there. I like drive like a maniac. Going to like the, pushing the borders of, of safety to get to Hilton Head and mad at every other driver that's driving like I do the other 358 days a year. But when I when I'm training my boys to drive, um, and you know, now when I'm working with Elijah. Um, I have a few rules that I, that I really stress. And the first one is, uh, you got to know the right-of-way. You, you, you have to know who has the right-of-way in any and every circumstance. That's like probably the most important part of driving. Can I go or am I going to get broadsided, right? you got to know the right-of-way. The second is, never, ever, ever make a move that you're not completely sure you should make. Like, I don't care how much, you know, how many, who's honking at you or pressing you or just don't make a move, don't change lanes, don't go for a turn. You can always reroute. Don't make a move um, unless you're certain. Third is if an animal jumps out in front of you, you can break, you can break, but you can't swerve. Like, sometimes you just gotta, nobody wants to hit the baby deer, but the kid's first instinct is probably going to be sacrifice themselves for the animal. And so I got to, you know, you want it in their head. Don't swerve for an animal, especially what? If it's a cat. <laughs> How many cat lovers we have out there? Of course, I'm just kidding. But I may refer to cats as speed bumps. <laughs> uh, and the other thing, the other rule is um, speed never gains you anything. Speed never gains you anything. You're just going to end up behind the next car at the red light. Or best case scenario, you're somewhere 38 seconds earlier. But you're probably going to get tickets, get in accidents, who knows what, you know, speed is not your friend when you're behind the wheel. Patience is your friend when you're 
behind the wheel. So this morning we're continuing this series called Power to Change, and um, we set our sights today on one of the more frustrating virtues uh, in the Bible, and that's patience. And I want to um, invite you to take a moment to just think a little bit about patience because it's a fairly fascinating theme in Scripture. And I, <clears throat> when it comes to this concept, if I ever write a book someday, which I probably never will actually do that, um, it's probably going to have something to do with this topic. Like I have a lot to say about and think about um, the idea of patience and be sure I'm talking about waiting on God in life I'm not talking about situational patience they're, they're two different things um, and I feel like I'm fairly good at waiting on God and trying to stay in step with God but situa situational patience is probably a good thing to be situationally patient but I'm not very good at that like you know when you're talking about like waiting in line Things like that I, I have no tolerance for. I'm not very good at at all. Um, like, you know, if somebody pulls out the checkbook at Giant Eagle, oh, my gosh. Uh, still writing checks. Because, see, that's how this, so this is how it's going to go down. This will be my exit from ministry. This is how I will be forced out. Um, it's not, it's not going to be from like a, a, a scandal. It's going to be from an incident. Um, like I'm uh, 24 years here at, at Polaris. I am the, I think uh, when, when Dr. Powers retires from Grace Baptist, I think I'm like the longest tenured pastor in Brunswick, which is crazy. And that will come to an end like, you know, I don't know, it'll be before a milestone. Like it'll be like a month before 35 years or something like that here. And, and I'll be in line in the only checkout line that's open at Giant Eagle. And there'll be like some few things stacked that I'm frustrated that day. And somebody will pull out their checkbook to write a check. And I'll just flip out. Start, you know, yelling and throwing things and trash the candy shelf. And someone will be videoing that and it'll go viral. And I will be canceled. So I'm not talking about that kind of patience today. I'm talking about um, like actually waiting on God. And what we find in scripture is that patience is actually a currency. It's what you pay to get to the good stuff. Because God, and I say this a lot at Polaris, God is slow. Frustratingly so, God is slow. And a lot of life, like we know this, patience is the currency of good food, right? It's, it's a, a lot of things, uh, farming, waiting, you know, pregnancy to, to get the baby here. Patience is built into creation. Like you have to wait, you can't rush. You can microwave a steak if you want, but I would suggest grilling it for a good, you know, 12 minutes, you still got to be nice and quivering. You want to, you know, but you cook it long enough versus microwaving it to get the good stuff. Patience is, is a currency in Scripture to getting to the best things that God has for you. 
So let me get everybody caught up real quick. And this is an extended series about what's often called the fruit of the Spirit, but we're calling it power to change because the message of Scripture is that God doesn't want you stuck for long. And Scripture says that if you're walking with God, you won't be stuck for long. So 2 Corinthians is our first kind of go-to that we've been uh, going back to. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the first promise there is that we're talking about being transformed. So there's this ongoing process of transformation. So we're not stuck for long. You might get stuck, and I'm going to get stuck, but it's not going to be for long when we're walking with Jesus because we are being continuously transformed. And then the other word is ever-increasing. It gets better and better and more and more. So, so this is transformational language. So you absolutely have the power to change. It's working inside of you when you walk with Jesus. That's a promise from the Bible. And then the second is Galatians 5. This is like our theme for these next couple of months. The fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces in you, right? That's fruit. What it produces is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So those are the list of qualities that the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives. Now, what's interesting to me, and we've talked about this, that this is almost certainly a, a progressive list. These are probably ranked because that's what they did in the ancient world. And this one starts with love, which scripture agrees many places that love is the most important character trait for anybody. Um, first of all, patience is ranked above morality. Like goodness, kindness, faithfulness, things like that. And <clears throat> I think it's interesting to me because oftentimes you might be tempted to, to think of patience as like this second tier. When you think about a churchgoer, a religious per person, as much as I don't like that word, um, you probably think more about morality. But here, patience is put above morality. Doesn't mean those things aren't important, but patience is pretty high up the list. And the other thing is patience is a means to an end. Like, I don't think there's... Uh, it's a little different than the other things on that list. Like, I don't think there's anything... Um, particularly like morally impressive about being patient. However, uh, patience is the means to get to the best stuff that God is doing in your life. So, so the, of the qualities up there, patience is a little bit different, you know, the different than love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, things that are a good end in and of themselves. Patience is, is this secondary kind of thing, yet it's this trait that's going to be really, really important if you want to walk with God. 
Patience is a means to an end. If you really want to walk with God, we are going to have to get used to waiting on him to do things in his time, in his way. So let's, uh, let's look a little more into this. I would love for you guys to grab a Bible from either the underneath your chair, if you're sitting in a front row or um, up in the balcony and the, from the rack in front of you. And this is something, here's what I want to do. The reason I like for everybody to do it is that then um, nobody feels like they're standing out. If you could turn to page 11, that's Genesis 12. And, and we're going to do something I love for about 10 minutes. We're just going to have some Bible study. Because one of my favorite things to do is to just look at these ancient stories and mine them for significance. And, and I'm going to try to limit myself to 10 minutes. I could go all day doing this kind of stuff because I love it. But Becky and John, who were like leading the picnic, you know, I, I don't want them just kind of sitting there with pizza and hot dogs ready and everybody's back here working through the book of Genesis. So I'll, I'll try to, to keep things moving here. But I, what I want you to do, what I want us to do, is to read this story uh, like an ancient reader would have because these authors were ancient and Eastern and we're modern and Western. And so we think differently. Like, like we, we tend to look at stories like data almost like we're taken in the news. But in the ancient world, they would look at stories as not only, hey, this is something that happened, but also somehow this applies to my life. So if you were to ask an ancient reader, hey, did this stuff really happen or is it symbolic? And they would say, yes. And our modern Western brain explodes because, well, wait a minute, it's either symbolic or it actually happened. But for them, no, it's both. And you really get the good stuff when you read it like, hey, here's, here's a story that happened. But also, how does this somehow apply beyond this story and into my life? So that's what we're going to do here with Genesis 12. This is a story about Abraham. And um, Abraham was, uh, is a patriarch of both the Jews and Christians. And it, it's the first real expanded narrative of, of a human uh, walking with God. And, and there's so much about what we can expect because, you know, this is, this is what we really want. God, I want to know your will uh, for my life, and I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And if you, could, if you could get to me by Wednesday, that would be great. And God really says, I'll get to you by Thursday, 15 years from now. And that's the way the faith journey goes. So let's take a look here. All right. Genesis 12. This is a very, very uh, famous and significant passage in Scripture right here. The Lord had said to Abram, who would soon be uh, renamed Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all 
peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. <clears throat> now, there is a ton in these few verses here. But I'm going to try to limit myself. Big idea here. God calls Abraham to start a new tribe. Unthinkable. Didn't happen back then. God says, take your stuff and go start a new people. Called him to leave his tribe and go start a new tribe. He called Abraham into an adventure. And Abraham went. That kind of a thing didn't happen but, but, because people thought in terms of cycles. But what, what, you, what you can take away from here is, is this is a God who has a plan for someone and calls them away to something new to fulfill his plan for their life. This is a new concept in human history. Now, it might be easier for it might be easy for us to think, okay, well, that was Abraham, that was a one-time deal, that was a patriarch, and God called him to an adventure that was uniquely his. But I want to go back to Ephesians 2:10 here. Don't turn there, just keep stay where you're at. I'll read this one to you. And this is one that I really should read this at least once a month from up here. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is a promise to each and every reader of the letter of Ephesians that each and every one of us is a work of God. And he has things for you to do that he has prepared in advance. So don't ever get to thinking that you're off of God's radar or that God can't use you or that you're not that important or that your work is not significant. God absolutely has things for you that he has in mind specifically for you to do. So this Abraham story is relevant to us because at some point God essentially says there in, in Ephesians, I got something for you to do. And I want you to do it. And we have to decide whether or not, like Abraham, we're actually um, willing to go on that journey. Now, so thing number one, God calls us to do something. It's a fact, biblically. Thing number two, it is a progressive journey. If you look at the call of Abraham, which is what that Genesis 12 uh, passage is called theologically the call of Abraham um, he says go to the land I will show you so so this is progressive God didn't just say here's a map and the table set that's what we want we want from God our calling and it's like here here's what we want and then I'm in this like this is what I would prefer God is not very efficient Okay, because what I want, what we want is, here's your calling. Oh, and there's a duffel bag of cash under the bed for you to be able to do that. And you're going to get a phone call in 15 minutes with the job offer that's going to 
take you to the house that's already bought that, you know, we just want it all to fall into place. We want clarity and we want circumstances to line up. But what we see time and time and time and time again from this first call of Abraham here is that God's plan for us is progressive. It's progressive. Okay. Now, uh, check out in your Bible, same chapter, verse 6. So this is, this is just fascinating, and I talk about this kind of thing a lot. Um, verse, we, we, he just got this call where, I'm God, and I want you to do this. And Abraham's like, all right, I'm going to be obedient to you. And he does the unthinkable, this huge step of faith. He goes, he actually does it into the wilderness, right in the middle of God's will. Verse 6, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great uh, tree of Morah in uh, Shacham. It's as Jewish as I get. And that time, at that time, the Canaanites, world empire, uh, were in that land. And the Lord appeared uh, to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared. So there's a problem in that um, the promise is a great nation and, and you're going to own this land. Uh, but they're in their 70s and they don't have any kids. And there's already a very established people in this land. So you think about the the mental problem of you go on this adventure and, and there's a, an immediate contradiction of how am I going to be a nation of people when I don't have kids and I'm in my 70s, my, my equipment's worn out. And then, and, and then there, there's already people there, God. Well, then go down to verse 10. Now there was a severe famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So I, I, this is terrible propaganda, if that's what it is. Like a lot of people think the Bible is like, you know, propaganda. Well, look at that. God calls somebody. They go in obedience. Nothing's working out. And now there's a famine. Now even the weather's against you. What I want you to see here. And I say this a lot because it's all over the Bible. Your circumstances do not reflect your standing with God. Abraham is on this incredible journey of faith that was terrifying. He's doing what God asked him. And a famine rolls in. So now he's living in physical discomfort like misery. And, and it takes every ounce of faith he's got and what we want is, we like to believe for some reason that if we're walking with God, everything is smooth sailing and everything works out. And, and if it doesn't, it's a sign that somehow God has abandoned us or we're doing something wrong. And it's just not how it works. And it has never worked like that. Not since the call of Abraham on the 11th page of a Bible that thick. 
have things worked out perfectly for people who have been on a journey with God. It just doesn't work out that way. Now, um, chapter 13, family problems. Is that a part of anybody's journey with God? Family problems? Not everybody's on the same page. People working against what you think God's doing in your life. People making life miserable for you. That's a part of the faith journey. And I'm going to speed up now because I'm running out of time. Genesis 15. <clears throat> Genesis 15. A couple pages later. Uh, chapter, chapter 15, verse 12. <clears throat> Look at this. This is crazy. As the sun was setting... Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Just like you want happening when you're walking right with God. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Translation? I'm going to do something through you, Abraham. And about 400 years from now, I'll be close to being done with it. Wah, wah. Right? I, I, God is slow, and the circumstances rarely reflect your standing with God. And it takes him forever. But, but here's the thing. It's more about the journey because rushing creates problems because later in this story, uh, Abraham and Sarah are getting impatient and Sarah and Abraham decide, you know what, we got to, I, I think this is going to take our own creativity. And Sarah says, let's do a, the surrogate mom thing and you take the servant girl and have a kid with her and that's how we'll do this whole great nation thing. And so they give birth to Ishmael. Hagar and Abraham give birth to Ishmael. Meanwhile, his wife Sarah is there, still barren. And eventually God says, that's not, that's not in the plan. Sarah's going to have a kid. Sarah eventually has a kid, Isaac. And now the Israelites are under tremendous strain with the Ishmaelites for many, 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 many centuries because they created a hybrid. And that's another thing that we can do is when we get impatient with God, we rush in and we decide to solve things on our own and it creates problems. <clears throat> Do you see the way in these ancient stories that there, there, there is so much to mine for and is, it, it's so worth um, doing the work. So God isn't on our timetable. Now let me give you a few quick takeaways. Number one, patience is a form of faith. And faith is the currency of friendship with Jesus. Faith is the currency of friendship with Jesus. And patience is a form of faith. Patience is choosing to believe that something good is going to result. And you think about, I mean, God's favorite analogy for everything spiritual is farming it's agriculture, where in agriculture is a work of faith. You plant the seed and you wait 
and you, you dump water on dirt, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Like if you didn't know that that's how it worked, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna dump some water on this dirt. And a few months from now, something's gonna happen. You just have that patience and that faith that something's going to happen. So patience is a form of faith and it's how the whole thing works. That's why it's important to stay patient and wait on God because God is not on our timetable. Never has been, never will be. If you want to walk with God, if you want the really good stuff this life has to offer, patience is kind of the currency to get there because it's the only thing we can pay <laughs> to get to what God really wants in life. Secondly, and we talk about this it's staff, um, um, it's a language that we use occasionally, and that's try to avoid birthing an Ishmael because it's always going to be tempted to, tempting to like run ahead and put something together on your own and solve the problem on your own, and God's going to let you do it, but it's going to create friction and problems. So here's a little, uh, here, here's my best advice that I try to use. Um, frustrating. Anything that is rushed or has any kind of secrecy or scheme to it, stay away from it. You may be praying for that new job or that new situation or that new relationship. You want to get married. You want to find whatever. Anything that is rushed, anything that requires like a scheme or that requires secrecy, don't do it. And I, I mean, it is, it is so tempting to just, my timer goes off, or there's this, ah, oh, I'm, I'm going to kind of work in secrecy over here, manipulate a little over here to get that thing that I don't do it. I have never seen God operate like that. I've never seen it end up going well in the long run when something is rushed or schemed, or when it's, oh, I got to get this done now, or it's not going to work out. Well, you know what? That's not how God rolls. It just isn't. You're probably creating a little Ishmael, and God will let you do it, but it's going to be a problem, and it's going to create friction with God's greater plan for your life. Uh, number three, while you're waiting on getting to that place that God wants you to get, um, Focus on the easy wins. There are plenty of things that Jesus says, yep, you can do that. You don't have to ask if God wants you to break your elderly neighbor's lawn or, or serve in children's ministry for a season. Oh, God, do you want me to do that? I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray. No, just do it. Because Jesus said how we treat children is how we treat him. Like there's plenty of wins that you can have and, and lead to a very fulfilling life before you uncover God's great grand picture for your calling. So while you're waiting on God, do the obvious. Um, and, then, and then finally, just the, uh, the, the most important thing is the journey itself. Sounds cliche, sounds cheesy. But really, it's way more important. God's the one who, Jesus says God's the one who does all the good stuff through us anyway. He's not impressed by your ministry legacy or by your servant legacy or by anything you accomplish. He's not impressed. What God really wants is the faith journey. 
And my guess is that that's why things don't work out all the time. And that's why we always seem to be hanging uh, from a cliff when we're walking with God and why things aren't just perfect and blessing after blessing after blessing just for the rest of the time, just shower on us. It's because when we get successful, then we don't need God. And for God, it's the relationship that matters most. Now I'm going to go ahead and come on up band for our last song. I'm going to do one last thing here. This has kind of become my um, leadership life verse. I don't always do this, but it's everything I want to do. I'm going to switch characters and go to Moses. Talk about Moses real quick, because he's the guy that was on a journey leading the Israelites, just like God called him to. And there's this incredible moment where it was time for the Israelites to celebrate the Passover, which they were commanded to do. But in the context of everyday business, like just the, the normal everyday business of life, a couple guys come into contact with a dead body, like the local undertakers or whatever, okay? It says this. But some of them could not celebrate the Passover on that day because they were ceremonially unclean on account of this dead body. So they came to Moses and Aaron that same day and said to Moses, we've become unclean because of a dead body, but why should we be kept from presenting the Lord's offering with the other Israelites at the appointed time? Now Moses was their leader. He was called by God to lead them and they looked to him for wisdom and guidance. And, and this seems like a fairly small, it only involved a couple people. Like it seems like a small deal. But even in this small, almost like clerical, like the, this, this, this admin minutiae of, I don't know, can they eat this meal or not? Like that wasn't like some big battle. It was just, can they eat this meal or not? Look at what it says in verse 8. And I hope that this is true of me uh, with, uh, with the minutiae of my life. Moses answered them, wait until I find out what the Lord commands concerning you. So at the end of the day, he didn't know. He didn't know what to do. And so he waited and he prayed until he had clarity from God. And then he moved forward. It is no small thing to decide you want to be on this journey with God and a friendship with Jesus. And God just doesn't, in my experience, give you the envelope and the money, and the opportunity all laid out. Life is a series of possibilities. And like Moses and like Abraham, we have to have the patience to stay on the journey and to stay in step with God and to wait and listen and let God move, probably not hour to hour, but season to season aware of what season we're in and responsive according to what we feel God leading us toward. Let's pray. God, this journey can be frustrating, um, but I'm grateful that you call us to something. Um, We are your worksmanship, and you have plans for us, and I'm so grateful for that. And I pray that you would guide us Um, with clarity and certainty and help us to be patient to wait on you in Jesus' name.
Amen.